A reading from Luke 7, 44-50. When he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So one thing I want to bring uh, up is that throughout the four Gospels, there's this overriding question coming from a variety of sources, is, uh, is the question, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said, your faith has saved you, go in peace. But this who is this question kind of resonates with me because I always recall uh, Jesus uh, in three of the four Gospels saying, uh, what do pe- who do people say that I am? And his <clears throat> disciples uh, have a variety of answers to that. <clears throat> but then he asked the real question uh, that anybody attending church uh, should hear. But who do you say that I am? And of course, Pete... Peter comes up with the, uh, the, the answer, but I think that that question doesn't just stay with, uh, within the context of the Gospels. It's a question that every generation and every congregant in every generation has to address at some point. Who do you say that Jesus is? Yeah, that's a... In fact, you might even have to answer that on Judgment Day. Um, what's standing out to me in this part of the story is this line that where Jesus says, Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. He who has been forgiven little loves little. And it's that concept of love that's striking me today as I read this. What Jesus really just wants from us is our love. He wants to love us, and he wants us to love him in return. And so... How does he say in this story, at least, that love can increase? Well, as if we understand our debt, we understand how much we owe and then how much he has paid to forgive that debt. It will increase our love if we understand that. And so if we go back to what I had said yesterday, that Jesus said he's good news to the poor. You know, I think I used to think of that phrase as, oh, good. He's, you know, I'll make sure poor people get introduced to him. (laughs) But now I'm like, Lord. Please help me discover every area of poverty in my life, in my soul, in my spirit, in my relationships, so that I can bring every aspect of poverty to you so that you can fill it, you can forgive it, you can supply, so that I can love you all the more. Yeah, and when we recognize our poverty, the appropriate response then is worship. We fall at his feet, yeah. just like this woman. Yeah. We pour out you know, the, the, the fragrance, the perfume, the oil 
we lavish it on Jesus. We don't hold anything back, but we give back onto him this love, this extravagant worship, because that is the appropriate response to mercy. Yeah, as, as we're talking here, um, Nathan, you talked um, beautifully about love, uh, but it's also a commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I've known these commandments forever, but they've become much more real to me recently. One of the things I always tend to say is you can't put the sequence of the two loves, up, you can't invert them and say, mm -hmm. well, I love my neighbor and therefore I'm a good person, but you put the love of neighbor in the wrong place. Uh, given our nature to say, to agree with the commandment that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, heart, soul, strength, and mind is the four, I think it's the first four of the great commandments. So this is, they're kind of a summary of the, the, the 10 commandments. Uh, and to love your neighbor as yourself is the last six, essentially, I think. Uh, but you can't put them upside down. Uh, and that's what I think a lot of us have done. I mean, oh, I love, you know, my neighbor, whoever that might be, my friends, people I work with. I, I love them. I'm, you know, I, I'm indebted to them. But if you don't have that foundational love with God, and you're far away from God, I just don't see how you can consistently say you love your neighbor because you, Satan is a reality, and it's not hard to invert that love to uh, indifference or hatred or enmity or jealousy or all of the other things that flood in on us and separate us, our love from that person. And it's, it's, it's much more, I think, profound that to say, I love the Lord my God is to say, I believe uh, God exists. I believe that God wants the best for all of us. And I believe that he sent his one and only son into the world to, to change everything so that we can love our neighbor as ourselves.